0: The views, information, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speakers and do not represent holding short media nor any organization that the speakers have been, currently are, or will be affiliated with. and welcome to The Holding Short Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Matheson. Today we are joined by Megan Extros. Megan first became interested in aviation at age 12, where she joined the Air Cadet Program and had weekly aviation classes. Through cadets, she earned both her glider and private pilot licenses and was hooked on aviation. She attended the Aviation Safety Advanced Diploma Program at Seneca College and revived the Seneca Aviation Association in her first year. One of her biggest accomplishments as president of the association, was establishing an annual networking event that brought together members of the industry and the students. She was chosen to be the valedictorian of her class and graduated with honours. During her program, she completed a co-op term with NAV Canada, where she was hired full-time upon graduation in 2018 and works as a research analyst. In this capacity, Megan provides traffic and safety analysis to support informed decision making. Megan started volunteering with Elevate Aviation as the Ontario Ambassador and works with the Ontario Wing to coordinate events and partnerships. Most recently, she joined the Canadian Women in Aviation team as their volunteer director. Megan, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here.
0: Jumping right on in, how did you
1: get your start in aviation? Well, similar to another guest you had on the show previously, Drone, I joined the Air Cadet Program when I was 12 and I spent six years In the program, I was fortunate enough to get my glider and private pilot's license through the program, um, which was really a goal of mine since starting. And after that, I, like in my bio, I was hooked on aviation and I couldn't imagine doing anything else.
0: So through the Air Cadets, you gained both your glider pilot license and your private pilot license. Uh, In cadets, they're known as your glider and
1: power scholarships, how do those scholarships work? So the Gladder and Power scholarships have a very extensive process that includes writing applications and essays, taking exams, um, and re- doing an interview as well. Um, you also have to attend a ground school at your squadron. Um, once you get accepted, the Glider program is six weeks long and the power program is seven weeks long, um, which is kind of insane. When you think about it, you're getting a whole license within six or seven weeks. Um, so the, the glider program is, takes place at a air force base. So I went to Trenton, um, and we flew out of Mountain View and Picton and I did power in Waterloo, um, at the Wellington, Waterloo Wellington Flight Center. And that both of those are full all day sessions. You're either studying in the morning and doing flights in the afternoon. And then you also have to do evening study sessions. So it is very intensive experience. But right now I can tell you it was one of the best experiences of my life. I am a big advocate for air cadets and I encourage anyone any parents that have kids around 12 to, to join the program, it, it definitely changed my life. While you were
0: at Seneca College, you revived the Seneca Aviation Association. Can you tell me a little bit more
1: about what that association does? So initially, the Seneca Aviation Association was to build the community between the students. Um, We started by doing movie nights for the social aspect and group study sessions um, where, you know, after classes, we'd order a pizza and help each other. Um, There were definitely some times where for our like flight dispatch class, we would all get our maps out together and, you know, plot different flight plans. Um, So that was definitely a great experience and a great bonding opportunity between students. Um, and then, as you mentioned in my bio, one of the things that was really important to me is that when you graduate, you might be a little aimless. Um, when you're in school, you don't have that many opportunities to build connections to people in the industry. So the big project that we took on was creating an opportunity for students to learn more about the industry and meet people within the industry to hopefully um help with their networking um so we had started with you know just some guest speakers and our first year i think we had maybe 60 to 70 people attend um, we'd invited various people from different organizations to come present and then in the afternoon portion we um had information tables so students were able to go talk one-on-one with these guest speakers and various representatives from different companies Um, and then the second year annual event that we had we had over 100 people attend and the the industry representation definitely increased as well so um, we were very very lucky for a great outcome of that. And I'm very happy to say that they've continued that tradition uh, after I left Seneca. Um, so, and it's definitely something that we've had great feedback on and I, I hope they continue it moving forward.
0: I think it's so wonderful that you were able to have a lasting impact related to something that you are so passionate about. How did you get your role with NAV Canada?
1: Well, I while I was doing the my program at Seneca College. I participated in the co-op program, which I also would recommend to anyone. Um, it For me, at least, it was very beneficial to get actual work experience while I was in school. Um, and following my graduation, in fact, it was the day that I started looking for jobs on Indeed that I got a voicemail from my former manager asking if... I would be interested to come on for a one year term with NAV Canada. Um, So that the very next week I got on a train and headed up to Ottawa to interview with them. And thankfully I, I got the job. Would
0: you be able to speak a little bit more to the role that NAV Canada has in Canadian aviation?
1: So NAV Canada is Canada's Air Navigation Service Provider meaning that we provide air traffic services. Uh, This includes the airspace all the way from the West East Coast, as well as the North Atlantic uh, Ocean, which is the world's busiest oceanic airspace. So what does a typical day look like in your role? So this is one of my favorite things about the job is that every day looks very different. It really depends um, when I come in that day, what's on the docket. Uh, It could be anything from regular reporting, Um, for example, ever since COVID started, we have kind of switched gears and moved a focus on our reporting on how COVID has affected flights and safety within Canada, as well as looking internationally and how it's impacting other countries compared to Canada. Um, On other days, we might have requests coming in from various enterprises or within Nav Canada itself, uh, we occasionally have site managers across Canada wanting to know what the traffic levels look like so they can adjust their scheduling for that. Um, we also have special projects which are called business case analyses, that um, they are more focused on... Uh, innovation or an improvement to our company. And we take a deep dive into the data supporting that uh, change in order to have business justification for it.
0: Was there a particular business case that your department was working on that you found to be of particular interest or note?
1: This project was ongoing while I was joining the group, but it's probably one of the bigger ones that came out of our group. Um, So Recently, NAV Canada was involved with a project called Space Base ADSB uh, with another company called Arion, where we sent mm-hmm. satellites up into space in order to have better coverage across the globe. Um, so our group was a key part in finding the business justification for sending satellites into space.
0: How does the data you analyze change throughout an average year?
1: So Two data sets that I work with pretty frequently are the traffic, uh, such as flights or movements throughout the country, as well as safety incidents. Um, So throughout the year, they obviously change. In the summer, it definitely gets busier, and the safety incidents are usually relative to the traffic. So when there's more traffic, there is also an uptick in safety incidents. And COVID has drastically affected the uh, traffic levels within Canada, and so that is also relative to the safety incidents. They have also gone down. Um, Mm. There have been certain areas within the safety incidents that have increased, which is definitely an indicator of something that we need to look into, Um, for example, runway incursions. What is the most rewarding
0: aspect of your role?
1: So as a more internal, behind-the-scenes group, um, one of the most rewarding things for me is seeing a report or data that I provided actually um, informing on those big decisions that our executive team has to make. When I was on co-op, I had worked on a project, and a couple weeks later I was attending a presentation by the CEO and I saw a graph that I had made in his presentation. So as a co-op student, that was shocking to me that something I did actually ended up in a presentation given by the CEO. So definitely a a rewarding feeling.
0: I would say personally, if I was a co-op student and I saw something I had done being given in an executive presentation. I would probably be just walking on air the whole day. I'd be so proud of myself, so I can definitely see the reward in that in knowing that what you're doing is valuable and being recognized at an executive level. What sort of training does
1: someone need to have for your role? So this is something that I find is re- that's really unique to my group, um, is that my coworkers come from such a variety of backgrounds. Uh, I have some coworkers that, are have backgrounds in business, economics, math, stats. So um, this is, and then myself, I have a background in aviation. So this is something that leads to a lot of collaboration in our group, is that when we have all these perspectives adding into the analysis, we have the best result.
0: What advice would you have for someone considering a career at NAV Canada?
1: So this really depends on what area you're looking in to work at NAV Canada. because we have, you know, almost every job across the board within NAV Canada. Um, So for my particular group, I would say be prepared and um, sharpen your skills. That's something that I definitely have to work on being in this group, not coming from, you know, a computer science background. There's a lot of different programming languages you need to learn. Um, And overall, I would say this would help in any section of NAV Canada is gain a better understanding of operations in general and how the aviation industry works. It hadn't occurred to me
0: that you would have a lot of computer science influence in your role, but I can definitely see why that would happen. Uh, Having a background in programming and knowing more about the sort of technological side of it would be something. So uh, I think that's very interesting.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something that I have been learning on the job and, you know, I'm still working towards. Um, but, you know, it would be beneficial to come in with a little bit of that knowledge.
0: So it seems that you have a very varied group of individuals that make up your team and your department um, with different backgrounds. As you said, computer science being one of them, having a Glider pilot license and also a private pilot license. How do you think that influences the way you approach your role?
1: I believe it definitely has had a huge impact. Um, I, As I said, we all are able to have different perspectives looking at the data. So for me personally, looking at a data set, um, I'm able to understand why something may have occurred because I might have been in that position before. Um, I've also had the opportunity to lend support to a lot of my coworkers where they um, – are looking into some data that they don't quite understand and I can shed some light. Uh, for example, one time a coworker was working on an analysis of flight planning and I, he booked a meeting with me and we went through the whole process of flight planning over an hour. Um, and so I really like being able to help my coworkers gain a better understanding and as a result have a better analysis.
0: Now, have you found yourself in a flying role on your own time, either glider or private, where you've been able to draw on some of the experiences from work and your insight from there? Does it go the other way as well?
1: Unfortunately, I actually haven't flown since starting my job. Um, So not quite, but I'm sure it will. Once I start flying again, I'll have a little bit more appreciation for the air traffic controllers that I'm talking to. What were some
0: of the strategies that have helped you so far uh, throughout aviation?
1: I would say one of the strategies that helped me get to where I am is exploring different avenues and figuring out what you're passionate about. Um, When I was in high school, I was able to do a co-op at the Durham Flight Center during various admin tasks, as well as cleaning the aircraft. That sounds Not that glamorous, but I really appreciated the experience to be around the planes. And I was able to get a private pilot's license after that. I also did another co-op term working at uh, the helicopter tourism company out of Billy Bishop. Through that, I was able to experience airport operations firsthand, as well as work with a helicopter, which was very exciting. And lastly, as I've already mentioned, my co-op with Nav Canada working in an office. So I was able to try a couple different things and get a broader sense of how the industry works through those different experiences and ultimately figure out what I'm passionate about and what I want to do for the rest of my life within the industry. Something that you told me once that stuck with me is that you wanted to be a pilot, but you also wanted to experience different jobs because the whole team is how aviation works. A lot of people just think about the pilot or, you know, the air traffic controller, maybe the AME. But there's so many jobs behind the scenes that actually allow the aviation industry to operate. So I think it's so important to educate yourself about all those different opportunities. Aviation is
0: definitely not a single player sport. There's so many different teammates and Uh, coaches and other players that you don't even know are all working with you and are on the same team. So I think having an understanding of all the different players definitely changes the perspective you have of the aviation game, so to speak. What is your ultimate aviation career goal?
1: Well, this is something that has been changing and evolving as I've grown up and experienced different parts of the industry. Uh, When I was younger and in school, I wanted to become a pilot. Um, And then through my schooling and my experiences in co-op, I was able to see a different side of the industry, which I had never heard about before. So currently, I'm very, very happy in my role as a data analyst. Um, And I've also had the opportunity through working for, for NAV Canada to sit in at an area control center and a couple different towers and that was an amazing experience for me. I've also also had the opportunity to try some ATC simulations. So now um, as I get more exposed to that side of the industry, my ultimate career goal is to become an air traffic controller. And through the opportunity to try different simulations, I found that air traffic controlling is a very challenging role and One of the things that I learned through getting a pilot's license um, is the multitasking and being able to do that from the other side as an air traffic controller. I feel that that would be a very exciting position. And as I mentioned in a previous answer about one of my favorite things about my current role being that every day is different, I've heard lots of air traffic controllers say that that's the same thing working in a tower or an area control center, that no two days are the same, so every day is an an adventure.
0: And that's often what I hear from different controllers as well. They seem to just find it incredibly rewarding to get to work in such a crucial aviation safety role, and that it does have such a diversity from day to day. So I can definitely picture you being a controller, and I'd love to have the chance to be calling you on center one day. As someone that is particularly active in aviation outside of your day to day role, what are some of the things that you do?
1: Well, I'm super passionate about volunteering and especially to causes close to my heart. Um, so, one of those is Elevate Aviation, where we actually volunteer together, as well as another one of your podcast guests, Emily. Um, so, the three of us form the Ontario Wing, and we work together to create partnerships, um, attend events, and create opportunities for guest speakers to go into, for example, schools and conferences and kind of spread the message of women can be in aviation. Um, I most recently also started volunteering as the volunteer director for the Canadian Women in Aviation. Uh, Laura and I both attended the conference conference in 2019, and it was such an amazing experience that I definitely wanted to become more involved and help out with the next conference.
0: You were also one of the 2020 Rising Star recipients from the Northern Lights Arrow Foundation. What did that mean for you personally?
1: That was such an amazing honor. I have been attending the Northern Lights Arrow Foundation Awards for three, the past three years. And every single time I go, I'm just blown away by the inspiring and talented women that are uh, honored every year. So for me to be added to that list, it it's such a crazy feeling. Um, but I definitely have to thank my Elevate Aviation family for nominating me for that.
0: I know to you it might seem overwhelming to be suddenly an alum of the Northern Lights Aero Foundation uh, Award recipients. But to me, you were an obvious choice. And so I'm really pleased that it came together that way and that you are being recognized for the incredible work you are doing and have done. Thank you so much. So with regards to your role as the ambassador for Elevate Aviation's Ontario wing, what role do you feel mentorship has played in your career so far?
1: It has played a, a Big role for me, and I, I'm also such an advocate of mentorship, and I'm happy to be part of the Elevate mentorship program. I I mean a lot of women I find uh, specifically suffer from imposter syndrome. And for me personally, mentorship has really helped me in that regard. Anytime that I feel, you know, inadequate or I'm really struggling with something. I reach out to, I have people to reach out to and to kind of allay my fears and get my confidence up, which means the world to me. And I was fortunate enough to participate on a panel at the last Canadian Women in Aviation conference about mentorship and I don't know how I kept it together because I was feeling emotional after that, after, you know, you feel so grateful for these amazing people in your life. And I I don't know how I made it through without, you know, getting a little emotional and crying because that's how I felt inside. I just am super grateful for all the support that I've had.
0: Now, the Canadian Women in Aviation Conferences, um, I've only attended the one that was in Ottawa in 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was such a fabulous experience. They do such a wonderful job with those conferences. And if you have the opportunity to attend one of them, I I highly recommend it. Uh, All conferences should be as fun as
1: that conference. Oh, definitely. I agree. Another aspect of mentorship that I have really benefited from is the reverse mentoring program that my group at NAV Canada does. About a year ago our group came up with the idea to implement a reverse mentoring program. And essentially how this works is that managers were matched up with a more junior employee. And there's various goals for this kind of relationship. Uh, My mentee is the director of the group and we have formed a really, really great relationship and we're able to collaborate on a lot of different projects. Um, This also allows the manager to get a better sense of employee sentiment and how we're feeling about different things that are going around the company. This has been really helpful during COVID because COVID has had a really big impact on our organization, on the industry, and on each individual. Working from home was definitely a big adjustment for a lot of people. So being able to have frank discussions with a more senior employee and um, having that opportunity to speak about any issues was really beneficial to our group. And I think it's brought us a lot closer together.
0: I think it's a really cool idea that not only are dialogues like that um commonplace, but they're promoted and encouraged, and I think having a workplace that allows for a dialogue from the let's just say the lower levels upwards uh, I think says a lot about the company culture that you'd have, especially in your department that that would be such a welcome uh part of your day.
1: Yes, definitely, and I find that this kind of reverse mentoring relationship also allowed our group to have some really tough conversations. One thing that has come up um, in the past year is racism within the workplace, as well as diversity and inclusion. Um, And the younger employees, especially myself, a younger employee and a person of color, I I felt comfortable talking to managers about the issues that I face. And I believe that I really opened their eyes because we don't have the same experiences and they didn't realize that this kind of thing was possible. So I really recommend... Looking into reverse mentorship within your company, um, I can't stop talking about all the benefits that it has and that I've found.
0: Having so many wonderful mentors and people that you can reach out to and who've helped you so far in your career, is there one particular person that you admire in aviation and why?
1: You know, there are so many countless women that are an inspiration to me, um, that are pioneers in this industry, which on another note is absolutely insane to me that these women are pioneers of the industry and, you know, are still here. <laughs> um, but personally, I, I definitely have a really, really great friendship with um, Kendra Kincaid, who is the founder of Elevate Aviation. Um, she also works at Nav Canada, and I have had the incredible opportunity to interact with her a lot um, ever since joining Elevate. And just she herself is such a motivational person. If you're ever down, just talk to her, and she she will pump you back up. Um, but also just her story and the obstacles that she's overcome are crazy insane to me and so inspirational. So definitely one of um, my biggest role models within the aviation industry. One thing I love about Kendra is the fact that
0: she has the ability to speak to you for five minutes and will make you feel like you were the most important part of her day. And I think that that is such a beautiful quality to have. And uh, I admire that a lot about her as well.
1: Definitely. And she, She's probably so, so crazy busy, and but she makes herself so accessible to anyone that, that needs someone to talk to.
0: Now, would you please share with me a favorite memory or career highlight from any point thus far?
1: That is a, a very hard question. <laughs> um, and I'm narrowing it down, but I, I can't say just one. Um, but I will say conferences in general, as we mentioned, are such great experiences Um, not only work conferences but I find the women in aviation conferences I leave feeling 10,000 times more inspired and motivated to be better myself and be a role model to others Um, they say aviation is a small world and the community that I found through these women in aviation events, including the Elevate Aviation Inspire Gala, the Northern Lights Era Foundation Galas, Canadian Women in Aviation, it's just the support you feel and the friendships you make are for life and being able to network. One of my favorite things whenever I go to a conference with a coworker is they always comment about how I know everybody there. And I, I'm just like, I am friends with everyone now because this community is so friendly and um, so approachable that you can go talk to anybody and they'll, they'll open up to you and you can have a great conversation. Mm-hmm.
0: I would have to agree. I know when I think about going to, for example, the Northern Lights Arrow Foundation uh, galas, I remember attending my first year and not really knowing anyone, and it was some very nice uh, people from a totally different background that said, like, hey, do you want to come sit with us? And I was relieved that they had (laughs) taken me under their wing. And then my second and third years in attendance, it was more so the fact that I couldn't get more than 10 feet without seeing someone I knew, and it was so fabulous to just have that community there, and everyone's excited and ready to say hi and catch up. So I look forward to when we can have those in-person conferences again because you leave just feeling like an absolute rock star. Even if you're not being awarded, you still feel like a rock star at the end of the night.
1: The first conference I went to after becoming a, uh, an employee at Nav Canada, I actually attended by myself. So that was a very um, interesting experience for me where I was forced to come out of my comfort zone The first day um, I walked in, a 20 year old in a room full of older men, um, as it is an aviation conference, and I had to force myself to go shake hands and actually network with people. So I remember that as a really, really great memory for me, knowing that I was able to, you know, take myself in this uncomfortable position and network. And I still have those connections today.
0: I know Kendrick Kincaid, who's someone that you admire. Uh, she has a saying that is that life begins once you step outside of your comfort zone. And it is really amazing just how many cool things come your way once you force yourself and find yourself in situations that maybe you wouldn't be normally inclined towards, but they can be so rewarding and make all the difference.
1: Now, before we wrap up today, where can our listeners find you on social media? So, I am on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and I'm definitely open to any questions. I'll make
0: sure that we have the links available in the episode description for our listeners. Megan Extros,
1: thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, and it was so nice to catch up with you. Mm-hmm.
0: The Holding Short Podcast is a production of Holding Short Media. The show is written and hosted by me, Laura Matheson, and edited and produced by Cameron Bokoff. Our music is an original composition of Riley Searle. If you would like to learn more about the show, The Holding Short Podcast is on Instagram and Facebook at Holding Short Media. Please subscribe, rate, and review us.